Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Welcome. This is the Breakfast with Champions podcast, one of the most unique, amazing, and powerful podcasts you'll ever come across in your entire life. Listen, we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration, and ultimately give you an opportunity to get a seat at the table, to hang out with some of those that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. What makes this podcast so unique and incredible is we have over a hundred different thought leaders that are constantly delivering amazing, over-the-top, powerful, and impactful content in bite-sized nuggets that you can absorb, take action on, and implement in your life. So with that said, make sure you filter through. There's going to be some of these thought leaders, these experts in their industries that you're ultimately gonna connect with. You're gonna totally, totally resonate. It's gonna totally be your vibe. And then there's gonna be other ones that you're gonna be like, eh, you know what? I like them, but I don't know if I love them. And that's what's great about Breakfast with Champions is we have something for everyone. So make sure you sift through, find the ones that you love, and know that they'll be coming back every single week to be able to deliver to you the motivation and education and inspiration that you need. With that said, my name is Glenn Lundy. I am your host. Super excited to connect with you. And let's kick off today's episode of Breakfast with Champions. Is Wealth and Health Wednesday, and I am uh, your your hangout partner for the next hour, Rachel D'Alto, and I'm just so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be in this club, and so happy to be a part of uh, Breakfast with Champions. And uh, I just I have so much to talk about in general today. I'm just so overwhelmed uh, from everything. I talk about relationships, and I had a book uh, that you. If you're in this room yesterday, it, it launched, and so many people were sharing it. It was so humbling, so overwhelming, and so amazing, and uh, relationships are everything. And so every week, I try to dive into different aspects of relationships because uh, I'm just so passionate about so many different elements, and I find that relationships in, in general are are pretty much built on the same foundations and they impact every area of your life. And little background of me, I've been doing TV for the last 10 years. Uh, I was on a show called Married at First Sight, uh, just as a caveat, because <laughs> Glenn brought this up yesterday. I did not marry any strangers, uh, but I did pick the strangers that they married for seasons four and five. Still have a couple married to this day, haven't been on the show in years, uh, but I was based in more romantic relationships, but I was also an attorney and I was a mediator and I always saw all the sides of how relationships worked and how relationships mattered. And for me, I'd love to talk about today just because of what happened to me yesterday, what happened for me yesterday was so impactful. And that's the word that I really want to focus in on today is the impact of relationships. Because I think oftentimes we think about relationships in terms of how do I get something? How do I connect with this person? How do I get, whether it's personal, how do I, how do I have this friendship so I'm not lonely anymore? How do I get this date so I have companionship? How do I build this business relationship so that I can make more money or uh, be more successful? And then we need to start to think beyond that. Obviously, those are 
very valid reasons to want these relationships, but how are we considering our impact? And there's a quote I remember. I, I had one of my biggest stages of my life. I was about 6,000 people, and uh, this was pre-COVID, and I was on this stage, and I was just overwhelmed and in, in a good way. I was just so blessed to be there. And I don't use a lot of slides, which has changed since then, because especially with quotes, I don't even know how I said this quote on that stage, but it was the Theodore Roosevelt quote, which is, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I, I, love, I love that quote, and I've, I've used that quote before, sometimes correctly, and sometimes I change his words, but Theodore doesn't care, and we're on a tight basis. But it's, the premise is always the same of we have to inject caring into our relationships if we're going to be impactful. And so the question I'd love to have on everybody's brains and hearts more so today is, who has made the biggest impact in your life? Who's made a big impact on you? How has their relationship with you, their existence made that impact? And so we're just going to have that float above us for a second and really start to think about not only who's done that for us and, and, and think, how can we do that for other people? Because when we impact someone, when we impact someone based on our presence, based on our relationship with them, and it could have varying degrees, we're impacting them forever. And I say forever because when I thought to myself, who was that person for me? I went back to eight-year-old Rachel. Now, let me tell you a little something about eight-year-old Rachel. Eight-year-old Rachel was a big fan of devil dogs, like huge fan. I'm telling you, devil dogs, I don't even know if they make devil dogs anymore. I think they do. They probably shouldn't. They were probably terrible back then. They've gotten even worse now. But I love me some devil dogs and milk. I don't drink that anymore. <laughs> but... Eight-year-old Rachel had a little extra weight on her, and eight-year-old Rachel had no friends. And so I talk about this often because it really did make an impact on me in so many ways, in some beneficial ways, and not that I recommend having no friends because this is something that I'm passionate about changing now, but the humility that comes with that, the humility that comes with knowing that level of loneliness and knowing that level of rejection, I think served me in certain ways. But I remember eight-year-old Rachel very clearly, and mostly I remember eight-year-old Rachel because I remember her teacher, and his name was Mr. M. And so Mr. M, I never understood why we called him Mr. M, and then I realized as I got older, we just couldn't say his name. It was Mr. Moriarty. There's a lot of R's in there, and they apparently got jumbled, so he just quit. He's like, listen, I like M&Ms. That's going to be my theme. My name is Mr. M. And Mr. M was the coolest man alive, and I say that. And I can stand by it because I have met him and spent time with him as an adult because you know those rose-colored glasses on children. You think everybody's amazing, but then you realize sometimes when you get older, you're like, oh, that hero, I should have picked a little differently. No, Mr. M definitely was the hero to pick and to stand with. And so he never was able to have children, and he was honest with that later on in life. We didn't know why at the time. Just thought, hey, listen, you made smart choices. We are really obnoxious and awful. Who wants to hang out with us all the time? You have us all day. And I was in third grade, and Mr. M was just the most caring, 
loving, non-biased, everybody. He didn't care if you were the most obnoxious student, if you were the most attentive student, if you were the most smart or dumb or whatever in between. He cared about everybody. And he showed it by the way that he showed up. And I remember him. I remember the way he taught. I am old as dirt now. And I can go back to eighth, eighth year old Rachel sitting in my desk and seeing him in the front of the room with the little clipboard that I bought him painted in M&Ms because that was my jam. I loved gifts and I always thought of something really cool to give him. And I just remember his smile and I remember his warmth and I remembered feeling like I was taken care of, that he believed in me and that he saw the things that went on around him and he did his best to make an environment where everybody felt taken care of. And that stuck with me. That has stuck with me. Mr. M has stuck with me for 33 years. When I would see him around town because we live, I grew up in a very small town uh, in New Jersey and we're a beach town. I'm actually sitting at the beach right now. My daughter goes to school about five blocks from the beach, luckiest kid alive. But I would see him around town and the warmth that I would feel in my heart when I would see him was so impactful, was so genuine. And he had the same to me. He wanted to know where I was in school, what I was doing. When I went to law school, he couldn't have been more proud. He was probably as proud as my parents at that point. And this was my third grade teacher. And so I think about oftentimes how that impact matters and how we can show up in a way that maybe people will remember us or love us 33 years later. There are people in this room, uh, they are holding my book. <laughs> some, some are holding my book, some are not. Uh, no, and you don't have to be holding my book to be loved by me. I just want to put that out there. I mean, I love you a little bit more if you are, um, but if you're not, it's totally cool. But there are people in this room that I have absolutely fallen in love with. I see Molly, I see Sarah, I see Brad. I would scroll more, but my interwebs are, are I'm getting the red line even by touching my screen. So I'm going to stand, stand tall <laughs> here. But there are people here that I fall in love with because of the impact that they have on me and the impact that they have on the world and the care that they show others and the care that they show me. And so even if, these are, these are people that I have not known for 33 years. These are people that I don't have to go back to eight-year-old Rachel to recall and feel fondness for. These are people that I've gotten to know in the last year. And that is the power of this community. That's the power of Clubhouse. It's the power of putting yourself in these positions to make connections. And so when we think about that impact, it doesn't have to be decades deep. It could be today. It could be absolutely today, where you are today, you can start to make an impact on others and you can be impacted by others if you open your heart to them. Because if we're building relationships, we're showing people that we care and we're caring for them. And we're doing that in a way not to attain something, not to obtain something, but the, to gain the power of that potential impact. And I think about that with my daughter. So I've studied psychology and uh, I don't know, I'm not gonna get into it, but uh, there's different levels within uh, adolescence. And I think I'm also integrating this back to the Mr. M story because 
uh, Erickson does psychosocial stages. So there's stages of life that impact you in certain ways. And going back to that word impact, what we go through at different stages impacts us throughout our life. And Erickson isn't 100% accurate, but neither is any, any theory. But when I read this, it just absolutely stuck with me. And so my daughter is 11 years old. She is in sixth grade and she is very lucky to be going to a school five blocks from the beach right now, who I'm going to pick up after this. But she wasn't very lucky last year. She was 10 years old at the time and she also didn't have friends. And maybe because of me and because of what I went through, I was so hyper-focused and so cautious about making sure that that part of her did not get damaged. Because what Erickson showed is that in that stage, that five to 12-year-old stage, your peer group makes the most impact on you. Your peer group influences how you feel. And it becomes this enormous source of a child's self-esteem. And it, n no other point in your life are you as focused on winning the approval of your friends and the peers around you. And so what Erickson showed over the course of his research and over the course of someone's life is that each stage impacts the next one. So the relationships that you form or the relationships that you don't form in that five to 12 stage impact you in the next one. It doesn't mean that you can't become aware of that and aware of the challenges that you face. And for me, when I, when I learned about this and when I started studying it, I realized that so much of what I went through absolutely played with that stage for me. It, it definitely played with how I turned out. It was a, a it was a, a fork in the road of where I could have felt more solid in myself, more solid in my self-esteem, or I could start to question that. And it took quite some time to be able to navigate back to where I would be on track, so to speak. And so when I saw my daughter going through this and, and it only happened in the fifth grade, we pulled schools because we wanted to make sure that the impact was good. Because we are impacted by relationships, whether we choose them, or whether we are given them. We're impacted by the ones that we put effort into and also the ones that we accept no effort from. So when we think about impact, there's such a full circle thing that happens when it comes to relationships. And so I just wanna start thinking about that as well. So in the beginning I was asking, who made an impact on you? And how did that happen? How did that impact occur? But also, is there a negative impact that we need to take a look at? Our, our awareness of negative impacts can help to heal us. Our awareness of allowing to understand where a lack of impact has existed or an impact that is a negative influence can help to navigate us back to where we need to be. And so when we start to just really recognize all of these elements, all of these elements of impact in our lives, we can start to make focus, place focus on where it really matters. And the more positive ones and the ones that will fill you up emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, in terms of your financial success, you have so much control over those. We have so much control over how we show up to other people. I cried four times yesterday. I am not a crier. 
I am pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty even keeled. Uh, I sleep a lot. My emotions are pretty much in check all the time. And yesterday I cried because I was so overwhelmed by all of the love and support. And then I thought, how did I get here? And I was talking to a couple people offline about it because I honestly, I just, I, not that I was, I was close to full on sobbing, but we, we, we held back a sob, but I, my friend called in the middle of it and she's like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm a mess. And she said, it's because of who you are, which is hard for me even to say out loud right now, because it doesn't feel humble and it feels, you know, like I'm, I'm. I'm bragging about, you know, these relationships that I built. So it feels really uncomfortable for me to even say that. But she said it. She's like, Rachel, you show up for people. Of course, they're going to show up for you. Rachel, you care about people. Of course, they're going to care for you. And it's, it's, it's hard to say it, but it's necessary to say it because that's, it's the truth of the matter is, is that I was getting back the effort that I was putting in. I was getting back so much of, of the care and the love that I do give to other people back to me. And I can't even express to you. I don't expect that. I don't expect it. And it makes me feel uncomfortable, especially in the back chat. We are very aware that I tend to leave the room when people say nice things. But it was this full circle. And it's all about the impact of the relationships that we've built. And it's all about the care. So I'd like to go through a couple, a couple ways that we can start to think about how we show we care in all different situations. These can be utilized in friendships. These can be used in romantic relationships, but also in professional relationships. Because caring does not stop at the office. Caring does not stop at the friendship. Caring does, is not just for romantic relationships. Caring is for everyone. And if we want our, our relationships to build and we want our, our loyalty to exist and we want that full circle of impact to happen, we have to show that we care. Because as, as we know, and as we know now, Theodore Roosevelt said that pretty eloquently and he said it like this and not the way I said it, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Nobody cares that I have intelligence until they know that I care about them. Nobody cares about the things I have to say until they know that I care, which is why yesterday when Glenn asked me if I was on that mountaintop and people are cheering and I get the microphone for two minutes to change the world, I'm gonna tell you to speak from your heart. Because if you're not speaking from your heart and you're not showing that you care and then you're not coming from that place of love, the impact that you make is going to be lessened. So five ways to show that you care. And then I'd love to open it up. I want to hear about who impacted you. So if you want to just stick that in your, your mind for a second, and we're going to come back to that in, in just about 10 minutes. I, I like to break this up because God knows I'm done talking. Like I, people, people are done listening to me. It's a lot of babbling over here. Five ways to show you care. This could be a TikTok. Probably will be a TikTok. Number one is to pay attention. It sounds so silly. And it's, it's something that I actually use as one of my pillars in Relatable in my book, which I, I, I laugh every time I talk about it because it was mentioned so many times yesterday by my amazing friends on this stage. Uh, but one of the pillars of relatability is communication. And communication has never felt just like words to me. 
it's never felt just like methods of communication. It's about the energy that we give. And I go back to eight-year-old Rachel and I think about Mr. M in front of the classroom and I remember how much he was just invested. He was there. There are teachers, trust me, I have met with, I have two kids that have gone through school and uh, I, you meet with these teachers and there's a lot that are checked out. And I get it. This is not a, a dig on them because there's a lot of, of things that go on behind the scenes and I can understand and have empathy and compassion. But I just remember how invested he was and how invested in his students he was. And you felt like you were seen in a world where you often feel invisible. And especially as an eight-year-old girl with no friends where you knew you were invisible, you felt seen. And so that attention, paying attention to someone can create so much impact in your relationship because it shows that you care. So when you are having a conversation, be all in. And it doesn't even matter. It doesn't have to be in person. It could be on the phone. It could be on Zoom. Because I don't know who's out there. Flash your mics if you've been on a Zoom call and you're like, I know no one is paying attention to this. Like everybody's either on their phone, they're on another tab. Happens all the time, right? We have these, these moments where there's just no attention being paid. And then when you lack that attention, you lack that feeling of these people care. So how do you make an impact in a relationship if you're not showing that you care? And it's so simple as just that level of attention that could be really leveled up so easily it costs you nothing. The second is to ask questions. <laughs> I was talking about this. Uh, I, I, oft, I do talk about this in my book too. Because it's so important and because curiosity is so important and caring about what other people think and feel and who they are. I am sure there are so many people in this room that have been in a conversation that feels so one-sided, you wonder why you're even there. I am just a person, a body, that is here to listen to you. I am here to absorb whatever you need to talk to me about, but you don't care about me. I have had friendships, and I talked about one of them recently where uh, she lived around the block from me, and we used to go on walks together. And it became a joke. It became a joke with me and my fiance. He'd be like, so did she ask you anything today? I'd be like, nope, not today, maybe tomorrow. And we'd be on a 45 minute walk and all of a sudden we'd be at the end and I, I knew everything that's, that's happening in her life. And I answered all her questions and helped her out with X and Y, but she knew nothing about me. And if she did ask about me, she made it all about her again. And I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm always open to learning and always open to evolving. Someone did ask me uh, in the DMs after I shared that, did you ever share that with her? And the honest answer is not exactly. I did say it in a way that I hoped that she would understand where I said, hey, listen, uh, you know, sometimes it feels like you do kind of focus on, on what you got going on. It would be awesome to share all of my things too. And it fell on deaf ears. And maybe I could have gone a step further, and I'm digressing here on that one, but always open to evolving myself as a human. And I know I don't do everything perfectly, but I do know that I pay attention. And I do hope that the people that I pay attention to and that I ask questions from know that I'm doing that, not just intentionally, some of it becomes very subconscious, but it is because I genuinely care. So ask questions of people ask questions about them, get to know them and get curious about them. 
curiosity is a superpower. It is a way that you can engage and connect in a way that makes people feel really special. It is one thing to ask a question. It's another thing to get curious about a topic or about a person or about someone's history or stories. I love hearing the stories on here. I wish I could constantly be asking those follow-up questions because I am curious about so many people and there's so many people that I'd love to get to know better and possibly be impacted by and have an impact on. So number two, get curious and ask those questions. Number three, reach out. It's, it's so simple. But I, I know there are people in this room that are saying, well, they haven't reached out. Well, they didn't make plans. Well, they didn't take the initiative. And that goes for dates, that goes for friends, and that goes for professional situations too. Although people tend to be a little bit more aggressive with the reach outs if it's for a professional purpose, but you still better care. And so when people say that, and I get it, because sometimes, guess what? Reaching out without respect reciprocity can be scary. If you are constantly the person to reach out, then sometimes it feels like, or all the time, it feels like rejection when it's not reciprocated. And so I do think that there's always going to be a limit, not necessarily a limit of, of your caring and impact in this world, but a limit in terms of your investment, but you have to give it a chance. And often if we're waiting for somebody else to make those moves, if we're waiting for somebody else to take the initiative, we're allowing this opportunity to make an impact pass us by. We're allowing that ability to show someone that we care pass us by and we don't know what they're going through. They could be so paralyzed in their own fear and their own anxiety around this situation that they're more afraid to reach out than you. So what does it cost you? other than a little bit of pushing that fear down to do it anyway and to make the effort to reach out, to let them know, hey, listen, you matter to me. Hey, listen, I want to learn more about you. I want to, I want to have the ability to pay attention to you. I want to be connected to you. Because we all have those people in our lives that we know had the potential. There's, all, there's always those hope relationships, right? Like we hope this relationship goes somewhere. Friends, romance, office. I say office, not like anybody's actually in the office. You know what I mean? Professional. We have those hope relationships, but we have to build those up somehow. And if we're going to get to the level of making an impact on someone, we have to get to a level where we're interacting on a regular basis. And that is going to be through showing that we care through reaching out and making that effort. The fourth is actually expressing it. One of the things I do remember, and I, I have the weirdest remem remembering, <laughs> I have the weirdest memory possible. So it sounds like I remember very vividly my, my eight-year-old self and my experience, which I do, but I don't remember much else. <laughs> it's all this big old blur, except for the really bad points or the really amazing points. I was talking to my fiance yesterday and we were talking about, we were actually, because I told him, I said, I wanted to share this story about Mr. M and my third grade teacher and this experience I had in third grade. And he's like, really third grade? Do you remember any other teachers? And I said, I don't. There's an occasional name that I can pick up now and then. There's an occasional person that I've, I remember from 
college or law school or someone, I mean, a couple of in grammar school, but not really. But Mr. M, I remember so clearly because of how he showed up. But, but part of it is he did this so well too. He told us that he cared about us. He told us that he cared about us as students, as humans, as little humans. Although after all my devil dogs, I wasn't so little. But anyway, I digress again. He told us. And so often we don't tell people that we care. I've gotten to the point where people need to tell me to shut up because I'm like, I love you. And I mean it. I don't say, I don't use that word unless I mean it. I don't use uh, a lot of the emotions uh, that sometimes are given, I think, a little too freely because then it doesn't have the same same effect. But I tell people that I love them and I tell it from my heart. And what I felt yesterday was absolutely this unbelievable emotion of gratitude and appreciation and care for the people around me. And so I told them every step that I could, every second that I could share again, that I was just absolutely blown away. I took that opportunity. But how often are we holding back? And it's the same thing that prevents us from reaching out. It's that fear from letting people know that they matter. And this is in the workplace too. Because again, just because there's a dollar attached to it does not mean the caring goes away and that the need to care goes away. Loyalty exists when you show that they care. Efficiency goes up when people care. If you think about, and if I had to ask you who your, your favorite bosses were for those who have worked for, for a boss, which I'm assuming is many of us, or if not most of us, I've been an entrepreneur for 12 years and I, I can recall many bosses and the ones that really, really stick out to me are the ones who cared about me. And we can still tell people that we care in those workplace settings. We can let them know that they matter. We can express ourselves from a heart center. We are not brains on bodies. We have brains and hearts and emotions. There is a reason why when you are sad, you physically feel it. There was a study done on this where our brain has the same receptors, has the same transmitters activated when we are in pain physically as we are emotionally. There's another study that allowed uh, people who were going through heartbreak to take Tylenol. It's either Tylenol or aspirin. I could misspeak, and I don't want to miss, misspeak on the stage, but it's either Tylenol or aspirin. I don't know. Try both if everything's hurting. And it actually reduced the physical pain of heartbreak. So we are emotional bodies, and that does not leave us at any specific door. So tell people that you care. Tell them, express it to them. Everybody comes to the table with a different way of absorbing the, the things that they need to hear and feel. I'm going to do an entire segment, I think, on the love languages, maybe in the next week. Uh, but we all absorb this differently. So we need to hit it from different angles if we want to make that impact, if we want to be that Mr. M to somebody else. So expressing that. And lastly, it's essential to be consistent because we are very observant, whether it is conscious or subconscious, we are so observant of the way that people interact with us. We recognize when people show up. 
And so it's an interesting thing for me. My daughter had uh, this experience the other day that, that triggered me. It didn't trigger her. She was like, I don't care. So she is 11 years old and into anime to a point that might be unhealthy, but it's okay. We're trying to allow freedom of expression with some interventions at times. And she was supposed to go to dinner with my brother. And my brother's a year older than me, has no kids, is single, and kind of just does his own thing and lives his life. And I am very jealous of that oftentimes. And so they made plans to go to dinner and, and we showed up to where he was going to take her, uh, from my mom's house and he wasn't there. And so she's like, no, 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 we're going to go, we're going to go. And he just didn't show up and I got really upset and eventually I talked to him and they made plans for this weekend. And I was like, listen, buddy, either you do this or I will, I will hunt you down and hurt you. But she wasn't as affected by this as, as I was, because in my life, I've had so many times where people don't show up. I've had so many relationships where people say that they're, they're going to do something and they don't. And I remember uh, my best friend, uh, her name is Melissa. We became friends and I expressed this. I had just kind of realized this was a thing for me and I recognized it kind of later in life. I was mid mid thirties when I realized I was like, holy crap, I have a trigger here. I have a consistency trigger. I am triggered when people don't do what they say or don't do what they promise. And I've put myself in so many positions where I constantly get disappointed because of choices that I made earlier in my life. And it sticks with you kind of going back to Erickson and those psychosocial behaviors and, and that scales and, and the stages that we go through every step dictates that next step. And so I recognize that I had this issue and it's really the only remedy is consistency. And then I think about the people who have never disappointed me and it doesn't mean they never, I mean, listen, I disappoint my kids all the time, sometimes on purpose, but the consistency is so important if you want to make that impact and you want to keep it heartfelt and caring and loving. And so if we can show up consistently, if we can do what we say, then that level of impact that we can make on somebody is, is next level. And I think that's probably why yesterday was so impactful for me is because one, I asked a lot of people to do something and some people I didn't even ask. And some people I asked one thing and they did a hundred times that, like the people in this room. And I think about why that impacted me so much. And it was really because of that trigger of consistency, because you don't expect them to do it. You expect to be disappointed. And thankfully, my daughter does not have that in her yet. And I will kill anybody <laughs> who tries to, tries to create that in her. But for me... That is, that is what I've gone through, but I'm not alone in that because I've talked about that before. And so if we want to make that impact, if we want to create a situation where people know that we care, know in their heart, we have to be consistent. So my goal here was to share the ways that we could show that we care to show that we care in a way that we can make an impact. And maybe you can be that Mr. M to someone in your world, because I know that I will never forget who he is 
and I will never forget the impact that he made on me. So thank you for listening. I'd love to open it up uh, to people and, and just ask some questions about who made that impact on you and, and why? Because I do believe that if we can share the other impacts that we've felt and the other people that we've felt so impacted by that we will never forget them and we'll never forget the way that they made us feel, then we can understand how we can adapt to other people. Maybe, maybe there's even more that we could be doing. So does anybody want to chime in on that one? I would love if you want to flash your mics. Hopefully I can see them without breaking my internet. Did I put everybody to sleep? Bueller. No, it was good. <laughs> Brad, talk to me. Hey, friend. Um, yeah, I think, man, I, I think maybe the biggest impact in my life, um, at least as an adult, I think I would say, you know, as a kid, I think I was really fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of really, really good people. But um, I played baseball at a uh, sort of high level, at least for high school and then blew my shoulder out. So then I went to college to sing, took a music class and was like, man, this is awful. And um, changed my major really quickly. And uh, my advisor was, uh, it's weird because he's like a six foot three white guy who was the head of African-American studies at an almost all white uh, liberal arts school in North Carolina. So he was tailor-made to be the guy who was gonna be like, it's okay to not know where you're supposed to be. Um, it's not okay to just throw your hands up because um, if you throw your hands up, you have no direction. If you go the wrong way, you just turn around and come back and, and you keep trying and eventually would be my advisor, even though I was out of major because I just begged to keep him. Um, I was not a poli sci or history or anything like that. And um, so as I was going through my education and then throughout my entire professional career, I've always come back to Bob. Um, he's now Bob in my life and he's since retired. And I just, I, I've never forgotten some of the like just quick conversations he would have with a, a freshman who didn't know what he wanted to be when he grew up, who has navigated not knowing what I wanted to be at least three more times professionally. Um, and now he, his son is actually one of my clients, uh, which is a lot of fun. So I get to keep Bob um, very much in the forefront of my thought um, and my appreciation. So he would definitely be a huge one. Really, really good talk, Rachel. Thank you, Brad. And I love that. And it's such an important element. And also, I, I, as a follow-up, if, if you're open to it, are there things that you do now because of the way that Brad, Brad, impact, Brad impacted you? Bob, <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of things I do because of Brad, and most of them get on my nerves. But um, with with Bob, I mean, yeah, again, I mean, he's a, a really tall white guy who was the head of the African American Studies Department, and so we would always have questions about, um, are you the right person for this? And and he would always bring it back to, I, I'm not here because I'm qualified. I'm here because I'm passionate. And so long as I can study passionately and prepare passionately and execute passionately and learn with humility, recognizing that positionally I might not be the one everybody would choose, but I can, I can out love what I do 
And so I'll be willing to outlearn anybody. Um, those are lessons that Bob just, he emanated, he has emanated my entire adult life and gives me very much today um, in, in branding and marketing, which he admittedly knows nothing about. So, yeah. My gosh, I love that. I'm going to out love, I'm going to out love what I have to do here. That is, that is so good. Becky, I saw that you were flashing your mics, your mics as yeah. if you had two. Do you have multiple well, mics on there? I I do. Um, that's how <laughs> I'm hardcore. I may not have like the Rodecaster Pro like everyone does. I have two mics. Um, here's my original one. Can I ask you a question on this topic? Sure. Okay. My question for you is, have you found yourself in the position to be uh, a Mr. M to, to others? And have you had not only been in a position, but have you caught yourself not showing up like you wish you would have and then been able to course correct in that moment to become Mr. M? Oh my gosh, both. That's such a great question because I, I think we have to really recognize our imperfections and I'm sure Mr. M had bad days too, but he didn't show them and I don't remember them because, well, I was eight and I told you my memory's pretty shoddy in other elements, but uh, there's definitely times where I've very consciously thought about the way that he impacted and and part of that happened when I just I was asked that question years ago about impact and and who impacted they asked specifically a teacher that impacted you and I don't even know that I had brought direct awareness to him and his impact until then and then I was able to really take that in and think about him when I show up and especially with children not my own because they get <laughs> they don't always get the kind patient attentive parent I'm going to be really real there uh, I think you know it's it's definitely challenging at times but I uh, for when I've, I speak uh, to, to kids often um, to schools and colleges and I know they aren't they aren't eight-year-olds but I I just think about the impact especially when I'm speaking to younger generations like this can change things my time with you can change things and I take that really really as a high level responsibility and to the second question there's absolutely times where I realize that I am not showing up in the same way I'm showing up from my head and that's honestly why I've been talking about that a lot this week and uh, it's it's admittedly not a huge part of my book. I don't talk about that that heart centered speaking and um, talking, but I hope it comes through in it regardless. And I'm assuming it does because that's where I try to speak everything from. So when I know that I am not showing up, Mr. Emish, it's because I'm coming from a headspace. I'm coming from a intellectual space. I'm coming from a defensive space. I'm com I'm not coming from my heart. And I'm going to steal Brad's, uh, Bob's uh, line of, I, I would rather out-love everybody than out-argue or out-defend or out-learn. So, yes, that has happened. And hopefully my course correction has worked. No, I, I think it has. And I think what you bring across so well in your book, which is, it's been a fantastic read, um, is that aspect of the consistency, even in being inconsistent, you are always consistent in owning your your mistakes. And within that, if you have that comfort of knowing, like I know with you, that if you act outside of your values, you will own it. 
And so if you were to do that, I'd have that comfort in knowing, okay, she's having a bad day. <laughs> You're going to come back around to it. And so I think that that element is so brilliant and I appreciate everything you've said. Thank you, Becky. Yeah, I, I definitely, <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes, a lot. Uh, so yes. And I think, you know, that's something we, we all have this desire that I don't even know where it comes from. I mean, I guess I know where it comes from psychologically, but there's so much perfectionism uh, chasing and it's just, it's just not attainable. It's not sustainable and it's not attractive and it's not likable. So uh, I like to embrace my imperfections and make sure that I own up to the mistakes that I have when I, when I recognize that I make them. All right. Anyone else want to jump in and share uh, someone that impacted them? Nisha. Hello, my love. Hi, did you see me aggressively like um, flashing? Like I my did thumb? <laughs> I couldn't. I just, I was trying to beat Brad. And then I was sad that when Brad spoke, that I wasn't the person that impacted him the most. I'm really upset about that. I think um, you're still. I'm a close second, you think? Yes, absolutely. Perfect. That's all. That's all that matters. So, you know, first of all, I love this conversation. And I, <laughs> You know, I, I think I'm always so in awe of the um, organic conversations that you you really stimulate. And I, I love your imperfections. I, too, have them. And I think that's why I've sort of gravitated towards you and our tribe that we have, because we're all just on the hot mess express. And um, it's just so much fun on that train or bus, whatever it is. It's just the best. It's definitely there. a bus. <laughs> it's a bus. It's a bus. <laughs> it is, it is a, a little blue bus and it is perfection for all of us. And, um, you know, I will say when I think about the folks that have impacted my life, there are several. The one who resonates with me right now, uh, who I've been in constant thought about is uh, one of my mentors who, um, when I started, you know, my life has taken a lot of different directions and pivots. And when I moved to Maryland, I got into the pharmaceutical sales industry really as a catalyst to, you know, um, getting a job <laughs> when I moved here because I was moving out here with my husband. And I was like, the prerequisite or, or the contingency is that I want to I want to work. And so some friends can convince me that pharmaceutical sales was it. Um and that I do great in it. I didn't think so because I have a television background. I thought they were very different. And there was a guy um, who interviewed me and he was very high level, African-American gentleman who said, you know, he was very hard on me during the interview, but he said, I think you got what it takes, even though you don't have the experience. And so um, he gave me a shot. And I mean, I, I worked so hard in that, <laughs> that industry it was, it was a lot. Um, but I just, just having somebody to look at you and go, you got this, you can do this, even if you don't believe that you can right now, you can make an impact and a difference in this industry. And you won't be just one, you know, another salesperson, but you will make an impact for patients. And uh, I mentioned him because he's going through a rough time right now. So you all can kind of keep him in your thoughts and prayers. He um, had a brain aneurysm last year. We then recently found out that he has brain cancer and is no longer verbally speaking. And it's it's the hardest thing to deal with. I was talking to Donna about it actually recently because it's like somebody so vibrant, so full of life and who impacted me and so many other people who just gave us all a chance to get into an industry in which we were not familiar. Uh, to see him in this way is really, really, really tough. But um, we all have had conversations and gotten together 
and talked about his impact on us. And um, we're working on something special for him right now, actually, to, to make sure that he knows in some capacity. So thank you, Rachel, for allowing me to just think about him publicly as I've been thinking about him privately. Love you so much. Nisha Dunn. Oh my gosh, sending so much, so much love and so many prayers. Uh, oh my, I, I can't even imagine, but I, you know, it is such a beautiful testament because it sounds like he's been that for so many different people. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who thinks about Mr. M. And so uh, the more that we think about how we as humans can impact others through our relationships, uh, just recognizing just the power of that is is absolutely enormous. All right, we have about 10 minutes left. I'm just going to re, uh, reset the room real quick. It is the Breakfast with Champions Wealth and Health Wednesday. Finally got that right. And this is part of the Breakfast with Champions Club, which is the greenhouse right above my head. Um, and we are here a lot. <laughs> we are here 15 hours a day giving you content and bringing uh, so much to the space. Oh, no, Dr. Sean just left. I wanted to, to I recognize this PTR. I was finally able to PTR without being kicked out. Uh, and I saw my book in his picture, which was so sweet. I'm going to have to message him. But just we're so thankful for you being here. Uh, Gladys, I brought you up. I didn't know if you had something to contribute to this conversation or just the conversation in general. Right, maybe. Oh, there she goes. Hey, Gladys. Hey, I just came in and I'm listening. Uh, right now, I'm not in a place that I can speak, but I'm okay. enjoying a bit of a conversation. Thank you. Feel free to listen along. We have Raylan up next, my friend down there, uh, who everybody thinks is the doctor from, which one is that? I, I always forget which show it is because I don't watch it. Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Yes, he is my celebrity book endorser. Uh, but does anybody else want to share just a, you know, someone who impacted them or have any comments or questions about impact and, and mentors? I think mentorship is, is so, uh, it's so important. It's, it's something that I don't see as often. I feel nowadays, especially with so many of us, uh, especially as entrepreneurs don't have the same level of mentorship as maybe, um, people in traditional employment models do but does anyone else want to just flash their mics and pop in here we have about nine minutes left anybody Raylan will <laughs> yeah absolutely there's been so many people but you know when I first started out in sales I had very little background in sales I only had two sales jobs at this point I worked at President Tuxedo selling tuxes and uh, a gym, like I worked in a gym selling gym memberships. And somebody, when I first got into the industry in corporate, I broke into corporate, somebody took a chance on me. And I went and interviewed with like 40 plus people, et cetera. And I ended up getting the job, long story short. And I remember I asked her, I'm like, why? One day I asked her why, you know, why in the world did she choose me? I, I was a college dropout. I didn't have the, the the experience needed. I didn't meet the basic requirements of the job, but she still gave me the job over like 40 plus applicants. And she, she reminded me that when she first got her her shot, she knew she had the passion for, for the industry. She knew that she could be great. She just needed one opportunity. And she saw that, she saw a little bit of her in myself. And it, the reason why it's someone that I think about all today, because literally I don't think I would have been where I am today had it not been for that one opportunity. 
But also I think about it because there's so many people that, that maybe follow us on, on Clubhouse or follow us on Instagram that just need someone to believe in them. And I think about that constantly. I think about the people that I'm around that maybe they just need someone to believe that they can do something, that they deserve more. And if I believe in that person, just what will they be, be capable of? What if, what if they may be the next whoever? And all it takes is someone to go, I believe you can do it. And by the way, belief doesn't take a lot of monetary value. It doesn't cost me anything to believe in someone. It just takes belief. And so anyway, that's someone that I think about constantly um, and is someone that really stands out to me as someone that, that really inspires me and, and, and has helped me get to where I want to be. Thank you, Rylan. And it's such an interesting thing because I, I was just thinking about this the other day. There was a, a teacher, uh, apparently there was a, a famous writer, and I obviously can't remember their name right now because I need it. Uh, but a writer was talking about how they became a writer, and it, they talked about a teacher that they had in grammar school. It was seventh or eighth grade that said, you're really good at this. And someone planted that seed of, of belief, like you're saying, of, of I believe in you. I believe in your capabilities. And that lasted that person for the rest of their life and allowed them to, to run with that and gave them that element of self-esteem that they really needed in order to find their own direction. And so there's so many times, and you know, the one thing that I keep hearing as a through line with everybody's shares here and, and with my own share is that that person, that person that made an impact, that person that really showed up in that relationship in a way that, that made you feel like they cared, it was so much less ego. There was so much less ego involved, and they were able to, to put their ego aside to lift somebody else up. And that's, I think, something that is, it should be applauded. It should absolutely be uh, just acknowledged in so many situations because there are, there, we all have ego. We all have you know, certain desires and we all have certain competition, you know, in our own head and with ourselves sometimes, but when we can place that ego aside to recognize another, to care for another, to impact another, how much more does that fill you than whatever you would have gained by, by taking care of your ego? And so if we can follow that, I always, I say less ego, more heart out love. I love that. I love that out love and connect with people in a way that, that allows them to see the greatness in themselves and allows them to feel lifted up because that is how we will be remembered. That is how that you make an impression. That's how, that's how you're relatable is really connecting with people from a place of that person cared about me. That person cared about me more than they cared about their own ego. Because a lot of times, and, and I've done this before for people where I'm putting people in positions that they're competing with me, but it, that doesn't matter if we all are just pushing each other down to get above, then what are we creating as a society? But if we can create a place where we can put our ego aside and we can connect with people and we can lift them up and we can, we can be a Mr. M or an advisor or a coach or a, an employer that stays with us for this long and in that level 
at that level of impact, we can make an enormous difference. So whether you've had that within yourself and you've had that with another person and are blessed enough to be able to recall it or whether you can be that, because sometimes if we don't have that, then it's up to us to then, how could I be that for somebody else? And Dr. Sean, you're back. Thank you so much. I love your, I love your PTR. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, you left for a second. I was like, no, I didn't get a chance to say thank you. So I so appreciate you. Uh, but yes, less ego, more heart. Anyone else want to chime in on this conversation uh, before I pass the reins off to Raylan? I would like to say something, Rachel. Sure, sure. Yes. Hi, Rachel. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, Glenn and B and Rachel and Nisha and Nate and Carlos and Dr. Natasha and Brad and <laughs> Raylene and Tim and Kimberly. Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, ego. So. I work with a lot of people. I work with a lot of investors, uh, producers, um, um, entrepreneurs. You know, I work with massive, wonderful people. And I know this, that the people that get funded from me, from my investors and my company, the nice people. And when somebody's on the phone and they have ego and they're trying to do you a favor when you, they need the investor, for example, the other way around, ego will ruin a deal. When somebody has an ego, they always it's always affecting them to not get funding. And I deal with a lot of people, and some of them like celebrities. And for example, some celebrities, they're looking for funding, but they have very big ego. And I tell them before we do the meeting with the investors, I'm like, be cool, be friendly, be nice, don't have an ego. You know, be like we're all the same people that, that you made you used you used you're not anymore. You used to make millions and millions of dollars as an a celebrity. Right now everybody's almost the same. Even celebrities are struggling. Be humble and be nice so you get the funding that you're asking for. As soon as somebody have ego, the deal is closed. Like there is no deal. Nobody likes people with big ego and um selfish people. And I really know this, that the people that get the funding are people that are genuine, um, very passionate about what they do, love what they do, and very nice and very humble. Um, egos is definitely not good to have. You have to be nice. You have to be humble. It doesn't matter who you are and what you do and how much money you got in the bank account. Be a friendly person. Be loving. Be warm. Be be humble, and you'll see how much further you'll get in life. Um, as an entrepreneur, um, I definitely recommend everybody to just be grateful and sweet and kind, because those are the people that get the funding very fast. Couldn't agree so more. I do it all the time. <laughs> what? Couldn't agree more. I I thank you Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. So true. And you know what? They want to work with them because they're so appreciative. Like right now, I just got off the phone with a big producer in Hollywood. And he's like, Annabelle, I need your help. Can you please help me? Let's get this done. I need this. this, this. And, you know, and I've been working with him for a long time. He's a very, very successful producer. He produced big budget films, um, helping him a lot with funding, with projects, and all bunch of stuff. Right now, we're funding the studio um, and for a lot I, of money. I got to cut you. I'm sorry. Nice. I, I hate to cut you yeah. off, but we got We have to transfer over to Raylan. Yeah, I just um, wanted to I, say the only reason, I just want to finish right now. The only reason I'm going right now to make more phone calls for him because he's so nice, grateful, and humble. And that's why I'm going to work for him and getting more funding. So that's all I'm saying. Be nice. Full that's circle. Full yes. circle. Yes. I love thank that. You. Well, thank you for your share. And if, if anyone, uh, if we leave this conversation with anything, I think more, more heart, less ego, and who can we make an impact on? 
Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.